morning sports fans betters and cappers and welcome to the daily competitive hedge podcast i am your host of the show kenneth cotterell and this show is all about sports and the world of betting we talk about results from yesterday's games and wagers before diving into today's betting plays now we got a number of things to get to today we've got some mlb lines we're going to look at where the nfl lines have shifted overnight as well as Looking at some President's Cup action, we do have that coming up this week. Some Nations League action as well, and then we're going to talk about uh, the MLB slate for today, given that those are the only plays that we really have on the schedule for today. But with that, our episode today is brought to you by our sponsor, Bet99. Bet99 is a Canadian sportsbook and casino that offers in-play betting, player props, and many more great products. There are a variety of sports available on the website to bet on, and Bet99 works smoothly on both desktop and mobile. Depositing and withdrawing funds is hassle-free with a number of well-known methods available to use, so you know your money is safe and secure. The website can be viewed in both English and French, and customer service is available 24-7 with their live chat option. So go to bet99.com to make an account today. Use code SHOOTERS to get started. And please gamble responsibly. You must be 19 plus years of age. If you do have questions or concerns about your gambling or the gambling of someone close to you, please contact Connex Ontario at 1-866-531-2600 to speak to an advisor free of charge. Now, yesterday we did have uh, a one and two day on the MLB slate. As we said, we don't love betting baseball, but when that's the only thing that's on, then that's something that you know, we have to adjust to and hopefully find some good betting lines. Now, we are way off on that Rays game. We did take Rays money line. Five to nothing was the final for the Astros. And what can you do? You got Shane McClanahan, who gave up something like three earned runs over 18 innings. He gives up five earned runs yesterday in four innings. You got Christian Javier. He's someone who is nine and nine on the year heading into this game. He goes five innings pitched with no earned runs. So, just a tough result for Tampa Bay at home. We did have Atlanta and Washington on the run line. Unfortunately, Atlanta, they win this game 3-2. to two. They were up 3-1 to one heading into the top of the ninth inning. And then, of course, what happens? Washington goes, they score that run, they spoil the run line, and we miss on that play. The one thing that we did build some momentum off of is that San Diego result. We took them on the money line at minus 120 yesterday. And they win five to nothing was the final there for the Padres. So overall, not our best day. Uh, Clevenger did give us five and two thirds with no earned runs. And so he pitched much better at home than he has recently. So as far as other MLB uh, results go from yesterday, we'll run through the lines quickly. The Dodgers did win six to five over the Diamondbacks. The Cubs won two to one over the Marlins. The Red Sox go on the road, win five to three over the Reds. 
the shootout of the day, the Jays win 18 to 11 versus the Philadelphia Phillies. I pray for those that took the under in that game. The Tigers 3 to 2 over the Orioles. The Yankees, they win 9 to 8. Aaron Judge becomes the sixth player in MLB history to hit 60 home runs in a single season. He's going to be the AL MVP almost certainly. Then you've got the Mets 7 to 5 over the Brewers on the road. The Angels 5 to 2 on the road over the Rangers. You had the Royals 5 to 4 over the Twins. The Guardians won 10 to 7 over the White Sox in the 11th inning. The Giants won 6 to 3 over the Rockies. The A's won 4 to 1 over the Mariners and then the Diamondbacks win 5 to 2 over the Dodgers in the second game of the doubleheader yesterday. Now Outside of that, there wasn't really any other games on the slate, but we did have some other headlines from yesterday, including a number of NHL retirements and a big contract extension. So let's start with the biggest retirement has to be Zdeno O'Chara. 24 seasons in the NHL, 14 of those spent with the Boston Bruins. He also played for the Islanders, the Senators, and the Capitals. Now, he's one of the better defensemen of all time, an absolutely massive guy. Uh, you could never miss him out on the ice. Uh, I do remember Boston taking on my Detroit Red Wings on a few occasions in the playoffs, and I always hated Chara, but I respect his talent. He did win a Stanley Cup back in 2011, and he will be sorely missed for sure in the NHL. Then you had P.K. Subban. He retired yesterday as well. This one was a little bit more of a shock, given he's only 13 seasons into his career. Not that that's a short career, but I felt like he had a couple years maybe left in him, but... He spent a lot of those with Montreal, with the, de the Devils, and with the Predators. Now, Montreal will be where he's most remembered for sure. Uh, he did a lot in that community, especially for the Children's Hospital there. He did win the Norris Trophy back in 2013, uh, but unfortunately has had a couple down years here. Uh, but he is a five-time All-Star, almost 500 points in his career. I don't think he'll be a Hall of Famer by any stretch of the imagination, but he's going to be sorely missed on the ice for sure. And the final one was Keith Yandel. He retired after 16 seasons. He has the Ironman record in the NHL for playing 989 straight games. He's a three-time All-Star. He played with Florida, the Rangers, the Coyotes, and with the Flyers. And so Yandel will be missed. He's always been a steady defenseman. I always felt like I could draft him in NHL fantasy and that he would be a consistent uh, player out there given his Ironman streak. So you knew that he was playing 82 games. And sometimes that all, that's all you can ask for. Then you had Nathan McKinnon yesterday. He signs the biggest contract in NHL history. Eight years, over $100 million. It breaks down to $12.6 million per year. That is $0.1 million per year more than Connor McDavid. Now, 85% of this is in signing bonuses. So I look forward to seeing what this Colorado team is going to look like for the next number of years. I uh, just because my wife's a Colorado Avalanche fan, I am a Red Wings fan through and through. So for me, I hope that the Avs <laughs> struggle for the next decade. But it doesn't appear to be the case. Not when you've got Kale McCarr and Landis Cog, and now you've got Nathan McKinnon locked up for the next eight years. This is certainly going to be a team that it has dynasty potential. They obviously just won their first Stanley Cup, so I'm not going to go down that road yet. But the potential's there when you've got the best defenseman in the NHL and a top three forward as well. And then the latest news as well from Live Golf is they're now complaining about the World Golf ranking points. And I think it's completely justified because when you are starting to look at some of these fields, Cameron Smith, we didn't even mention it on the show the other day. He won over the weekend his first Live Golf event. Why shouldn't they get world ranking points? 
You've got players like Patrick Reed, Bryson DeChambeau, Dustin Johnson, Abraham Answer. These are all guys that when they were on the PGA Tour, they were making a lot of money, but they were also high in the official world golf rankings. So I don't see any reason why they shouldn't just because the PGA Tour isn't a fan of their style or where the money's coming from. I think that it's completely wrong. And hopefully these guys will start to get some uh, ranking points because it's completely deserved given that the fields are much stronger than they were at that first live golf event. And these guys are hoping to qualify for majors. They don't care anymore about playing on the PGA tour, but they certainly care about playing at Augusta in the U S open PGA and British open. So I think they should be getting these points and I hope that they do moving forward. Now let's talk the slate of games for today uh, as well as some lines for the weekend. So We're going to start over in the NFL. We covered a lot of these yesterday, but there's been some line movement just over the last day or so. Starting in Cleveland, minus five and a half was where it was at. Then it moved to minus four and a half. Now it's all the way down to minus four. So a lot of people are jumping on the Steelers wagon. Part of this probably has to do with Cleveland and the fact that they uh, blew their lead against the Jets. Now, Pittsburgh hasn't looked great either. I do think that I'm going to lean Pittsburgh on Thursday night but I want to see where this line's going to go. Hopefully you got it early if you did, because minus five and a half, that's a lot of points. So you could get pit at nearly a touchdown in a divisional game. And that's a lot given you look at the over-under, it's only 38 and a half. So a very low line, not expecting a lot of points out of Jacoby Brissett and Mitch Trubisky. But if the run games can get going, Nick Chubb, he had three touchdowns on the weekend. Kareem Hunt had two the week before. Najee Harris has to get going, though, for the Steelers if they're going to have a chance in that game. Kansas City and Indianapolis, this one's holding pretty strong at minus 6.5. The over-under line is 49.5. Now, this line, I think, is largely going to be carried by Kansas City. People will be skeptical of taking Indy uh, in the over in that game just because they scored zero against a bad Jags team. So I am a little bit shocked to see it that high. I think that's the market giving Kansas City credit. Kansas City's defense also isn't great, so I think they're assuming that Indy can put up 14 at minimum in that game. Then you've got Houston and Chicago. This is another one where the line is holding pretty strong at minus three. I don't know if we're going to see it move, and that's okay with me. If anything, I was hoping to see it move more towards the Chicago side of things because I do like Houston money line this week. So with the line being the same, the over-unders at 40 and a half. We didn't cover any of the over-unders yesterday, so this is a good opportunity to do so. I don't believe in either offense. Justin Fields looked putrid last week. I do like Davis Mills quite a bit. I just question whether he has the weapons there in order to go over in this game. So this is an over-under line. If it was at 39, I would feel a bit better about it. But that 40 mark worries me a bit in case Chicago puts up a dud, or Houston for that matter. They could do so as well. Then you've got Buffalo minus four and a half is where it was at with Miami. I was hoping to see it get to minus six by kickoff, maybe minus seven. But as of now, Buffalo is at five and a half. So it moved a full point in Buffalo's favor. I I like Miami to cover this right now, but I'm hoping to see it move a little bit more. So I'm going to wait, wait it out. But the over under here is 53 and a half. I do think that's a high number. But after how these offenses have looked the first couple of weeks, especially last week, I see why the market has adjusted to that over-under. Cincy and the Jets, this is another line that's holding pretty solid, and I'm fairly surprised to see it do so because Cincinnati minus 4.5 is not a steep spread. 
and they are taking on a Jets team. Yes, they've competed the first couple weeks, and Cincy hasn't looked great, but this is a Cincy team that can hang 35 points on you pretty quickly. This is a 45 line as well for the over-under. So I'm leaning the Cincinnati Bengals. I might get them right away here at minus four and a half, but that's a line to keep an eye on. Then you got the Chargers holding strong at a touchdown favorite against the Jags. I was hoping to see it move a little bit more, but given that the Chargers are at home, that's a full touchdown against a team that did just beat Indianapolis and shut them out. So I do understand why it hasn't moved. The over-under at 48 seems a bit high, but with the Chargers offense, they once again, they're in that Cincinnati and Chiefs category, Bills category, where they can hang a lot of points on you really quickly. Then you've got Minnesota and Detroit. This line was at minus six and a half. It's now moved to five and a half. I tweeted it yesterday. Very glad that I got Detroit at plus six and a half because I think it's just going to keep moving that way. After Kirk Cousins looked on Monday night, Detroit coming off a big win over the weekend, and they looked really good against the Eagles. I see why that's the case. Now, 53 and a half seems very high, but it's not one that I'm going to bet because we saw Detroit hang 35 and 38 already this season. Minnesota, they hung 23, and then they didn't look great on Monday night. So I think that Minnesota's offense is in for an explosion at some point. It could be in this division game at home, but I'm going to stay away from that over-under line. You got the Rams minus four and a half versus Arizona. This one has moved to minus three and a half. If it gets to the field goal, then I'll take the Rams. I just won't do it if it's past that. And the over-under at 49 is a little bit steep again. But these teams did score a lot of points in their matchups last year. Baltimore's holding strong at minus three versus New England. The total is 43 and a half. I really like this one to be 23 to 20 or 24 to 20. So I'm not betting this game overall. If anything, I would take the Ravens minus three right now, hoping it gets to two and a half because I am worried about the push in that game. Raiders are holding strong at minus two and a half. The over under line is 45 and a half for that game. Tennessee, I don't think is as bad as people say they are. They did play a couple of tough games over the start of the season. They played poorly against the Giants, I should say, but then get blown out by the Bills. So I don't think Tennessee's as bad as people are making them out to be. They just had a bad start to the year. Then you got the Saints. They're holding at minus three versus Carolina. I don't think this line's moving, not when you've got the 40 and a half as the over-under. Stay away from this game. I could see Carolina finally figuring it out with Baker. They have to win games at some point, but Winston could also perform like he didn't against Tampa on the weekend. If you like Tampa Bay, speaking of Tampa Bay, they are now minus two instead of minus two and a half versus Green Bay, but a very low total here at 41 and a half points. I think the main reason for this is Tampa is not going to have Mike Evans likely or Chris Godwin, so they're going to be struggling on the weapons front. Green Bay's also struggled against Tampa in the past. We saw just a couple years ago, Aaron Rodgers got blown out by this team. So I would stay away from this game. If anything, I would take Green Bay. If you could get them to a full field goal, which I don't think will happen, then that's where my lean would be. You might even wait until all the way up to Sunday because if Evans' suspension holds and Godwin is ruled out, then that line might move in Green Bay's favor. And then Seattle minus two and a half versus Atlanta. This one's staying there. Again, 41 and a half. It is a lot like that game that we talked about a couple minutes ago in New Orleans and Carolina. 
don't see a lot of movement here. When we're talking a lot of movement, we have to look at that Philadelphia game. I was hoping to get it to minus five and a half or minus six. It's all the way up to minus seven. So this game has moved a full three points already. Washington being the home team, I'm inclined to maybe lean with this uh, for the full touchdown on Washington. But if I can get that to seven and a half, I'll feel even better about it. So I'm going to wait and see where the line goes. Then you have San Fran. They're now minus one and a half. They were minus one yesterday and they're taking on Denver. The over under there is 45. I lean the over there right now, but we'll wait a little bit closer to Sunday. And then a game that we didn't talk about yesterday because we were waiting on the lines. Dallas, they are two and a half point underdogs heading to the New York Giants. Now, this game is not exactly box office. It's Cooper Rush versus Daniel Jones. And the over under here is 39 and a half. So I'm inclined to lean Dallas Moneyline. Also a Cowboys fan, full disclosure. So I'm not going to bet it right now but it is an early lean that I have for the betting card over the weekend that you'll see on Monday. And then early President's Cup lines, we're going to touch on those. The U.S., they are minus 834 in this event. And unfortunately, I'm not finding a lot of spread plays for the states. If I could get them at a couple points to win, then I would definitely do so. But there's a few player lines that I like. These are all half unit plays that I'm going to go with, but Scotty Scheffler to be the top American at plus 580, and then Justin Thomas to be the top American at plus 700. Those are great value plays for the world number one and a guy that's played well in this event before. So I like those at both half unit plays, half unit plays on the international side for the top international player. I'm going Siwoo Kim at plus 1,000 and Sungjae Im at plus 500. I think you'll see a lot of Matsuyama just because of the name recognition there. But when we're talking about guys who are coming in and form, those are the two that I think are the best. What I like about Kim is I don't know if that he's going to get their best uh, players like Matsuyama certainly will. I'm sure he's going to be going up against the top pairings pretty consistently throughout the event for the Americans. Now, my favorite play, this is a full unit play, is Max Homa to be the top American rookie at plus 420. Big reason why the President's Cup is at Quail Hollow. Max Homa's won twice at Quail Hollow in the past. I think we're going to actually see him in that first match, especially coming off the win last week. And I think that he'll pick up a victory. He's a great uh, vibes guy, and I think he's going to be a great teammate for whoever he gets paired up with. And so I really like Max Homa in this event. Early Nations League lines for Thursday. We do have some footy plays over this week with international play happening, but if you want to do a, a little two-team teaser, Belgium and France, both on the money line, are minus 250. So you pair those together and you can get a pretty decent value. But you got Belgium taking on Wales and France. Uh, I just really think that this is a great opportunity to go out and get a couple of heavy favorites that are going to go out and perform for you. France plays Austria. Uh, so both of them do play at home as well. I think that's a nice two-team opportunity. Lithuania, they're plus 120 against the Faroe Islands. That's another one that I think, given that they're at home, that's a great opportunity to bet on those. And then Turkey, first half money line versus Luxembourg. They're minus 148 over at bet 99. Minus 400 is the value for the full game. So getting that first half money line at near uh, at a pretty good value is nice as well. So with that, let's head into today's hedge plays. We're going to give you our two baseball plays, and then we've also got the Lone Nation League game as well we like 
one of the plays there. So let's start with the baseball side of things. Marlins money line versus the Cubs at minus 120. The Marlins, they fell 2-1 to yesterday, so I am expecting a bounce back here. Jesus Lazardo taking on Marcus Stroman. Now, Jesus, he had just two earned runs given up in his last start, and he does get the home bump as well today. Stroman, on the other hand, in his last 11 innings pitched, has given up five earned runs. I think that these clubs are pretty even on the batting side of things and in the bullpen, and so I'm going to lean the Marlins to get it done today at minus 120. I'm also taking the White Sox minus 130 versus Cleveland, another team that lost yesterday, but they lost in extra innings. You got Lance Lynn on the mound, and that's never a bad thing for the White Sox. He's given up just five earned runs in his last five starts. So that's almost 33 innings pitched with only five earned runs. He's been pitching great. McKenzie, on the other hand, he gave up three uh, in his last start, and then he's given up five over his last 10 innings pitch. So just rolling with the W's here. I definitely think that the White Sox are going to pull this one out. And at minus 130, I think it's great value. And then the final play we're rolling with is Scotland Moneyline versus Ukraine at plus 160. Scotland, they got eliminated from the World Cup by Ukraine. So there's some added motivation here. Scotland, they're also in front of the home crowd. And I think they come out and play some inspired football. That loss was a 3-1 to loss for them. And now they get them twice in the Nations League. They can take the lead in the group as well if they pick up the win today. And so I'm going to give Scotland the home bump here at plus 160. I think it's just too great of odds at home for Scotland. And so I'm rolling with that one as our final play. But thank you, everyone, for tuning in today. Tomorrow, we are going to get back to some NFL. We even got some college football on the slate for this week uh, on Thursday. So we're going to get back to those tomorrow. Let's get through the dog days of baseball. We need NBA back. We need NHL back. We need to fill up the week in between these NFL games to find some value. But let's have a good day today, and we'll see you guys tomorrow for the Competitive Hedge podcast.